0: Amen. Lord, we thank you that heaven is more than just something we hope for, but Lord, we have confidence to know that indeed one day we will soon be with you. We can't wait. And Lord, it just gives us perspective on this life. Lord, help us to continue to have an eternal focus. Lord, as we go to your word, may your Holy Spirit speak. Lord, it's not the opinions of men that we want to hear, only your word. So Lord, just move now in a mighty and a powerful way. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 24 to the end of the chapter this morning. A uh, couple things. By the way, that don't you love that last worship song? And you know what's really awesome about that song? Zach Vesney, who is now the pastor of Calvary Petaluma, I could be wrong, but I think he was either 13 or 14 years old when he wrote that. So, youth group, get at it. No, I'm just kidding. But the truth is, we're never too young for God to use us. Amen. Or too old in either way. Uh, Some of you know that I met with about 25 senior pastors or so this past uh, Monday and Tuesday. We had a prayer time together. It was fantastic. A couple things we're talking about doing because we'd like to see the church in Santa Cruz County because there's only one church. We're all a part of it. Amen. We just meet a lot of different places. Uh, some of the things we've talked about, um, I'm biased on a couple because they're my suggestions, so just take it with that. But I thought, you know, how awesome would it be if we had an all-county baptism? Yeah. Imagine if we had three, four, five thousand 5,000 people down at the beach in Santa Cruz worshiping and baptizing. How cool would that be? So we'd be praying about that. Also, we're talking about having a, an all-county church service on a Sunday where all the churches would go to Cabrillo College Stadium, and we would just have church together. We've also talked about doing some men's retreats together, things like that. And so, I just, I, you know, what? I'd love to see the church in Santa Cruz, you know, get outside the four walls of the building and let's, you know, get bold for Jesus Christ, Amen. So, just be praying for those uh, situations. It would be great to see what God wants to do. All right, First John chapter two. Again, I know we have some new folks here this morning because I just met you, and I want you to. Get the context to where we are. John, the apostle, the same apostle that wrote the gospel of John, writes this letter later on in life, toward the end of his life, right before he writes the book of Revelation. And he writes this letter to the first century church that is struggling because false teaching has crept in and many of them are being drawn away and being confused and some are even considering falling away from the Lord to follow after the false teachers. The main group of false teachers quickly were called the Gnostics. Gnostic means knowledge. They thought they had a private or a special knowledge and you had to come to them to get it. And so they would go to these early Christians, many of them were brand new in their faith, and they would say, you know, you've got some truth, but we have the deeper truth. You need to come to us to find out what the real truth is. And so this letter is being written to combat those types of false teaching, and those same types of false teaching are still happening today. Virtually all of the cults would say the same thing. They're the only ones with the answer, and you must go to them to get it. And we'll see that refuted in this morning's text. So, so far, he's been talking about how to have a joy-filled Christian life, how to live in a time when false doctrine is being taught and continue to walk in the truth. And so far, a few, we've seen five characteristics of, a, of intimate fellowship with God. Number one, walking in the light. That was in chapter one. To walk in obedience and holiness with God. You want to have a life filled with joy? Obey God. I mean, it's amazing how we all do it. Don't we disobey every week? Raise your hand. We do, but why do we do it? Doesn't it frustrate you? The Apostle Paul said, you know, I know to do good and I don't do it. And you know what? Sometimes it's because we walk around this dead carcass of our flesh, amen? And we must die to it every day. But whenever we obey the flesh, don't we always regret it? We're convicted and we're thinking, we think we would learn at some point. But here's the reality, not till we get to heaven, but will we be perfected. But you know what? We should be sinning less all the time and becoming more and more like our Savior. And one of the ways to have a life that is filled with joy as we're filled with the Holy Spirit is to walk in obedience to the Lord, to walk in the light. Well, because we don't always, the second thing he said is confess your sin. When you do sin, and we do sin, we need to keep short accounts with God. We need to be those who don't store up our sin for six months. Amen then go throw up on god don't do that the point is that we sin every day and as you've heard me say many times spiritual maturity can be seen in the distance of time between when we sin and when we repent should be quicker and shorter all the time. Number three, again, going back to obedience, when we get to chapter two, he says to obey his commands. He says, now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So walk in the light, walk in holiness, and walk in obedience to the word. The fourth thing that we saw last week was do not love the world or the things of the world. The Bible tells us we cannot serve two masters. We're gonna be overwhelmed a lot of times about the world only if we're consumed with it. Guys, the only thing we should be burdened for on this planet is people. The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. Amen? And so the exhortation to him in the midst of all that was going on around them persecution from the outside, false teaching from the inside, he said, look, don't love the world. Again, he's not talking about not loving the people of the world, but not loving the world and its system. And then finally, to enjoy intimate fellowship, we must reject the lies and false doctrine of false teachers. Sometimes it's viewed that if you really love somebody, you'll just be cool and let things go. But it's not love to allow false teaching to go unchecked. Amen? And we saw the exhortation, and one of the examples he gave last week was that you know that this person is a false prophet, not only a false prophet, but a liar and of the spirit of antichrist if they do not say that Jesus is the Christ. Anybody who says that Jesus is just a good teacher is a liar and of the spirit of Antichrist. Someone who says Jesus is one of many prophets is a liar and of the spirit of Antichrist. The only way that that person speaks the truth is if they say that Jesus Christ is God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. There's no other path. There's no other hope. There's no other God. He's it. Amen? Amen. And sadly, as we saw in those videos last week, and I hope nobody was offended because that was not my intention, but we saw that one guy said, you know what, you don't have to be be a Christian to go to heaven. You don't have to believe in Jesus as he pastors a Christian church. And then the other guy said, well, I just don't know. Well, guys, read your Bible. We know. Christianity is not a hope so, it's a no so. We don't have to guess about Jesus Christ. He didn't make it ambiguous for us. Aren't you glad? Word of God is very clear, very direct. So that brings us to this morning's text. He ended with, you can't have the Father without the Son. You can't just go to the Heavenly Father without coming through Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're sinners, and our sin has separated us from Him. Now that brings us to this morning's text, where we pick up in verse 24. And I titled the message, The Blessings of Abiding. Belief that impacts behavior. Here's some of the blessings you can have. The word to abide, we'll talk about this in a moment in depth because it's in every verse that we go through this morning. But number one, as you abide in Christ, you have the expectation of eternal life, the promise of heaven. Aren't you glad? Guys, we need to be reminded again and again, don't we? We need to be encouraged again and again. Going to heaven. That's a great response when things are tough. It's a reminder that this stuff is passing away. So not only do we have the expectation of heaven, but we have the discernment against deception. When you walk with the Lord, the world's best Bible teacher dwells in you. That's what the Bible tells us. We're going to see that this morning. And then finally, we can have confidence at his coming. I know there are some people saying, there's a few things I want to do before Jesus Christ comes back. You know, I, like, I got a checklist of things. Stop. Heaven's way better amen heaven's way better but i will say this there might be a checklist of some things you want to stop doing before jesus comes back amen oh i don't want to be doing that i don't think we want the lord coming back when we're driving around in a stolen car amen we don't want the lord coming back when we're in the middle of a fight with our spouse we don't want the lord coming back when we're you know hanging one on we don't lord no not not no not now But here's the point. Lord, help us to abide in you that we might be confident at his return, amen? And excited about him coming back. So let's pick up in verse 24. The blessings of abiding, belief that impacts behavior. First of all, we live in the expectation of eternal life, the promise of heaven. Look at verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Therefore, therefore, That just ties us back into the previous verses. So he's basically saying in light of the fact that there's the spirit of Antichrist, that there are false teachers coming in, that there are people denying that Jesus is the Christ, they're saying there's another way or another path or another hope. You don't have to come by Jesus Christ. Much like the guy in the video last week, there's those who just flat out deny that he's the way. You can get there another way. In light of the fact, That there are people who say things like that then and still today because lies are being promoted as truth by false teachers because they're denying the one and only savior in the midst of the lies and the false teaching and attacks on, on the deity of Christ. How did John exhort them to respond? He says to them, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. Here's what he's saying. Go back to the gospel. Go back to the simplicity of the gospel. Go back to what you heard when you first believed. Go back to what was taught to you that came directly from the apostles. Instead of looking for a new way and a new truth and a new answer and a new hope, guys, let's go back to the old hope. And let's fall in love with that. Amen? And that's the exhortation that Paul, or Paul, excuse me, John is bringing to them. Now, what does it mean to abide? The word abide there means to remain and continue. You know what he's saying? Remain and continue in your walk with the Lord. Don't move away. Don't walk away. Don't fall away. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Remain steadfast and continue. And it's written in such a tense in the original language. It means be remaining continually. Just never stop. Just keep walking near to the Lord. John 15. You know the story of the vine and the branches. It talks about the branches abiding in the vine. In light of all the lies that will be taught, false teachers that will arise, spirits of antichrist that are being made manifest, other paths, other ways, therefore you continually remain steadfast, don't turn around for even one second. You stay grafted into the vine. You know what we should, when you take a, a vine and, and a branch, at some point you can, you can hardly tell where the vine ends and the branch begins. And that ought to be happening in the life of us as believers. That the more we fall in love with the Lord, the more and more we look like Him. The more and more we start to fade into Him. The more and more people can barely tell where the Lord ends in our life and we begin. Because we're His kids and we're grafted in and the fruit that comes, you know, He's the source. And it's not us, it's all Him. But He's working through us, He's speaking through us. Good works are coming through us because we're grafted into Him. And He's saying, therefore, be continually remaining, stay steadfast in that which you heard, stay grafted in spiritual maturity and intimacy with the Lord, do not come by some new experience or a more, or a more culturally relevant word, but by continually remaining steadfast in the truth that has already been given to us. John started this letter. How did he begin the letter? The first verse he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and uh, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John is not sharing an opinion. He's sharing a fact based on personal experience. You know what? The cult leaders are all sharing an opinion. They're either purposely deceiving others or they've been deceived themselves. The Gnostics one of the other was true. And the problem was they had drifted away from the simple truth of the gospel. Guys, we don't need any more books. Amen? We don't need any more pamphlets. Nobody has to write us anything. We don't need it. We've got the book. It's in our hands. It's the completed revelation. We're not to add to it or take away from it. I don't know about you guys, but 20 years as a pastor and I still feel like I'm about three inches deep in the ocean when it comes to the Bible. So much more we can study. So much more we can learn. Have you ever noticed you can read the same chapter a hundred different times and God shows you something different every time? Guys, we're reading the living, breathing Word of God. And the Holy Spirit speaks when we read it. If we'll let Him. And so John is sharing the Word of life. And he didn't need a new word, but to remain continually in the word, the eternal word. John 1 once says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And then when you get to verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Guys, you want to see Jesus Christ spend time in the word, because he is the word. It also tells us that he elevates his word above all his name. Why? Because his name can be changed to mean something different. The Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses is Michael the Archangel. The Jesus of the Mormons is the brother of Lucifer, the brother of Satan. The Jesus of the New Age movement is the most elevated of gurus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. And that's why we elevate his word above all his name because the word of God reveals the God of the word. Amen. And so this is the exhortation to them. Look, You remain continually. You stay steadfast in the simple truth that you heard from the beginning. Don't be looking for a new word. Don't be drawn away by some new prophet that comes into town. You just stay steadfast with what has already been given to you. Don't we like new and improved? Is that true or not? Whole marketing campaigns have proven it's a fact. They can take the same old detergent, put it in a different color box, call it new and improved, and sales go up 50%. Right? And you know what? We like new and improved. And so somebody comes along saying, I got a new and improved God. I got a new and improved truth. We discovered something new that nobody else has seen and our flesh and our humanity gets quickly intrigued by this and that was, is what was happening in this day and John is writing to say, guys, don't fall for it. Don't look for the new and improved. There is, you can't improve on perfection. Amen? And how can you be newer than God? God's always been and always will be. He's beyond. He's outside of that stuff. Amen? He's perfect. He's holy. Remain, continually remain steadfast. Don't move. Don't be turned to the right or the left. Don't allow the temptation of the enemy to draw you away. And then he says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, if what you heard, if the word of God that you have heard abides in you, if the word of God remains continually uh, steadfastly, constantly attached and grafted into you. The connotation here goes beyond head knowledge. Abide means to stay close to the Lord. You know how you stay, one of the main ways you stay close to the Lord? Stay close to your Bible. Amen? Now I know that we talk about this a lot. I know that for weeks and weeks we keep telling, hey, read through the Bible in a year. Can I encourage you? Why? Because I know I'm, I'm belaboring the point because it needs to be belabored. If you want to know God better, here's the place you begin. Just keep spending time in the word. It's been said that sin can keep you from this book or this book can keep you from sin. It's amazing how when I spend time in the word in the morning, how my perspective on the whole day changes. I'm a whole different driver in traffic. How about you? You spend time in God's word, you treat people different. You're just a di- why? Because the word of God, we're not reading a, a self-help book. We're reading the book that transforms us from death into life. It's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so he says, "If you abide in it, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, that truth of the gospel, the word of God, if it abides in you, if it's grabbed a hold of your life, if you've gone beyond just knowing it to living it, must go beyond the surface knowledge that is so easily swayed. You know what? The reason that so many people, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, the men can be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. How do People get deceived. I'll tell you how they get deceived. They get deceived by not spending enough time in the truth that they fall for a lie. If you know the truth, you'll recognize the lie every time. That doesn't sound right. People will quote things to you and tell tell you they're in the Bible. Have you ever had this happen? People do that to me at work all the time and they're amazed. Oh, that's not not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. Uh, You got a verse for that? Well, it's in there somewhere. No, it's not. It's not in the Bible. God helps those who die to themselves. Amen. Amen? Oh, oh, let me write that down. but here's the point. The point is that it's not man's opinion of the Bible. It's what does the Bible say. It's not what the Gnostics were saying. It's not the new truth that was coming out. It's not what they were trying to draw them away to. He's saying, go back to the Word. Don't just know about God, but know Him intimately and walk in the fullness of the Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you will not fall for the lies of these false teachers. We need to be abiding in the Word. If you abide in His word, notice what it says. If you are remain continually, again, it's not a passive thing, but an active thing. not just reading about him, but entering into an intimate, eternal, complete dependence upon him, kind of relationship. Being married to him. That's what the Bible says. We're his bride, right? So if we do this, what happens? If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, remains continually in you, if the word of God is dwelling in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Note the correlation between abiding in God's word and abiding in Him. Again, as I said before, you want to abide in the Lord, abide in His word. You want to walk continually in His presence, spend time continually in the word of God god's word it rocks the bible is so awesome amen man i just love the bible and i'm amazed when people try to attack it and when they do they often well they always look foolish because they'll say things like well the bible's filled with errors so name one I, I just, I mean, it's right next to that verse that says cleanliness and next to godliness neither one of those is in the bible It's amazing how people can be authority about a book they've never read. Amen? You know what you call people who study the Bible to try to find errors with an open heart? You know what you call them? Christians, because they get saved. The truth is the word of God will transform your life. And guys, we need, you know, there's a time right now when the Bible is being hidden and put away and mocked and dialed down and attacked as being scientifically stupid or, you know, you have to have a low IQ to believe that and you really believe that Noah put all those animals on the ark? Yes. Amen? People believe that, you know, in evolution and that, you know, that life, if you watch that that movie, uh, Expelled, one of the foremost evolutionists said that life got here on the backs of crystals. Well, I mean, and he even said, you want to run that by me again? Because here's the point. You can believe that aliens... That life came in alien forms on the backs of crystals, but not that animals got on a boat? (laughs) Here's the reflection of people who don't want to surrender their life to God. If they could believe in creation and not have to give their life to Jesus Christ, they'd probably be more open to it. But here's the exhortation coming that look, the word of God, abide in it. Don't allow them to draw you away from it. God's word rocks. It results in the same intimate abiding relationship with the Lord if we spend time in it. Throughout scripture, you see a direct correlation between His Word abiding in us and us abiding in Him. God's Word is the source of faith. What's the theme verse of Calvary Santa Cruz? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by... The Word of God. If you want your faith to grow, spend time in God's Word. You want to have a more intimate relationship with the Lord? Spend time in God's Word. You want direction for your life? Spend time in God's Word. You want to have peace in the midst of the storm? Spend time in God's Word. You want to be equipped to minister to others? Spend time in God's Word. And yet, does the enemy do everything he can to keep you out of the Bible? Have you ever read the Bible and thought that was lame? That's not what happens, Amen. I often equate it to like going to the health club. I don't like to go to the gym. You know, getting to the gym is the hard part. But once I'm there, I enjoy it. It's kind of fun. I like it. But it's a a lot harder to get out of the Lazy Boy recliner after 12 hours at work and get to the gym. And the same can be true of your Bible. A lot of times, it's just hard to get it open. But once you get it open, you get blessed every time. And that's why we encourage you to have a Through the Bible reading program. Not only that, when we read the Bible, it's a reflection of our love for him. And you know, if you love him, don't you want to get to know him? When you're recording, those of you who are married, think back, to, or were married, or think back to when you were recording. And think back how you used to sit and talk on the phone for two hours about nothing. Right? Your wife wonders where that guy went. What happened to that guy? Two hours on the phone about nothing. I can't get five words out of you when you come home from work now. But you know, it's a reflection of our love for the lord if we spend time in his word and then keep it it says in john 14 if a man loves me he will keep my words and my father will love him and will come into him and make our home in him guys you want god to make a home in you spend time in his word and lay down your life before him it's a source of our common bond of fellowship with each other and with the lord Why do we gather together? We have Jesus in common, but we come together because we're all hungry to know God better and we know that the word of God is the source. So we come together and say, ooh, I can't wait. Well, what's next? Word of God. 1 John one, first John one three says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So the Word of God is our source of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, an unwavering faith, intimate fellowship with the Lord. It's all tied up to our abiding, remaining continually, steadfastly in the Word of God. When His Word lives in us, when His truth lives in us, god lives in us amen so be encouraged so such intimate fellowship not only comforts and strengthens and directs but also convicts us and it's conviction we need amen comes with an eternal purpose now notice what it says here so here this abiding in him it transforms our lives it changes our behavior increases our faith it gives us a new perspective but notice what it also does look at verse 25 And this is the promise he has promised us, eternal life. See, as we abide in the word of God, we have the expectation, the hope, more than the hope, we have the guarantee of eternal life. Amen? If you respond by faith to the truth of the gospel, and if you're here this morning you've never heard it, let me take a minute and give it to you. Here's the gospel. You're a sinner, and I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Everybody say amen. Amen. Okay, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're in need of a Savior. God can't have one sin in heaven, or he's got earth part two. Amen? He's perfect holy God, he can't have sin in his presence. We've got a problem. We're sinners, he's perfect. We can't go near him because we've got sin. He can't allow us into his presence because of our sin. Praise God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't get to heaven because we were good and our sin was washed away. The only way we can go is because Jesus Christ reached down from heaven and, and you know God the Father sent his Son who came and took your sin and my sin upon himself and suffered and died that we might have eternal life. Now, when we are born again, what we are saying is, I believe that Jesus Christ is God. I believe that he died in my place and yes, I'm asking him to forgive me and to take my sin and take it upon himself and guys guess what he did it and guess what else he proves himself to be god because on the third day he rose from the dead amen Amen. now here's the point the point is this if you've done all of that and now the spirit of the living god has come to live inside of you and the holy spirit is our down payment on heaven Do you understand that? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, we've been blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, assured, and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The word for sealed there means like ownership papers, marked. He's got his initials on you if you've been born again. He's stamped his name on your heart, and we've got a down payment on heaven. We have the promise that He has promised us the promise of eternal life. So if we have the promise of eternal life, if we've been born again, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, if we're abiding in Him, if all those things are true, should we live different? You know, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of me, and He is, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and if you've confessed your sin and, and you've been born again, He is. We ought to be radically different than the world. And we ought to be excited about heaven. But here's the other thing that's true. When does that eternal life start? You've already got it. Amen? It's not you die and then you get eternal life. Here's the point. Christians, really, just to be technical, we don't die, just our bodies do. Amen? Abs from the body present with the Lord. You close your eyes on earth, you open them up in glory. It doesn't get any better than that. Jesus Christ, his body died, right? But he's risen, and because he lives, we will live forevermore. Guys, why would we not abide in the word of the one who came and died that we might have life? Why would we go and get counsel from anybody but him? Why would we turn any other way when he's got his Holy Spirit living inside of us to help us understand the word as we read it? It says in John Acts 1 verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Notice he says, And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. And the down payment on that promise is the promise that came in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit. So guys, we have the promise. The Holy Spirit is our down payment on heaven our seal of ownership, almighty God dwelling within us. Now let's make it clear in case anybody misunderstands, you're not God. Amen? You're not a little God, you're not kind to God, you're not want to be God, you're not soon to be God, you'll never be God. Amen? Two undeniable facts, There is a God, you're not Him. And here's the point, and you never will be, and I'm really glad that, amen, aren't you? If we were ever even somewhere near being a God, we'd just mess stuff up so bad it would be wrong. Amen? So here's the good news. Here's the good news. He just comes to live inside of us. I'm not God. He just lives in me. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. Amen? So as we walk around, think about this. When you walk around, guess who's with you? God. Always. Amen? You know, you might turn, you might turn the music up loud so someone else can't hear you arguing with you. what. God's there. Driving down the free, God's there. My tent your windows, God sees you. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, too often we think that, you know, God is always there. And He is the one we need to be mindful of. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is He helps us understand the Bible. As we're going to see in the next point, He's the greatest Bible teacher there is. We've been redeemed, forgiven, adopted, accepted. We're going to heaven. Let's abide in him, amen? We've got the promise of eternal life the very moment we gave our lives to him. You know, it even tells us how do we know for sure we've got eternal life? God says so. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life, amen? So praise God that we do share in his life and we share in his reward and we're going to heaven because he lives in me i will abide i now for sure know that i have eternal life and i have it right now that i'm going to heaven how foolish it would be to reject the eternal in pursuit of the temporal this is what the gnostics were doing they were saying look you know what your spirit is good it's going to heaven it doesn't matter what your flesh does because it's evil anyway so go out and party till you die because you'll still go to heaven Guys, God's trying to keep us from the pain and torment of living a life led by our flesh. So the blessings of abiding, number one, belief that impacts behavior, expectation of eternal life, the promise of heaven. Number two, discernment against deception, the world's best Bible teacher dwelling in you. Look what it says in verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. These things, going back from verse 18 through the previous verse, 25. What has he said in those verses? Just quickly. He said, time is short. The Antichrist is coming. Many many Antichrists have come. Those who went out from us did not continue with us. Those are the ones who have the spirit of Antichrist. While the false teachers claim a new and deeper truth, they're nothing more than liars, denying that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the one and only Savior, the one and only source of access to the Father. In light of all of those things, this is why I'm writing to you, concerning those who try to deceive you. Now that word deceive there, in the original language, means to lead astray or to seduce. Isn't that what the enemy does? He tries to make it look so intoxicating that you say, well, it looks so good for the immediate, I'm willing to face whatever consequences may come. I'll take it. I may, I may, I'm going to pay for it later, but I'm willing to go for it now. And that's what the enemy does. He, you know, he takes the forbidden fruit and he questions the word of God and then he seduces Eve with it. He tries to lead her astray, to draw her away. And that's exactly what the enemy does today. To cause us to wander from the safety of truth and to lead us into error. False teachers who lay in wait to deceive by handling the word with craftiness and deception. You know what? Most false te- well, virtually all false teachers are going to use the bible as their text they're going to take the bible and they're going to contort it to say what they want it to say so they can live the lifestyle they want to live and try to sanctify it and that's why we must know the word of god we must know it beyond just what we hear men say. Why do we give you guys Bibles every time you come here? Let me tell you why. Because I want to make sure that what I read, you see for yourself in the Bible. That you keep everyone, everybody you hear, whether it be on the radio, TV, or sitting down, open make sure that what they're saying is so. Make sure that it's coming from the Word of God. There are false teachers who are tools of the enemy, who labor to, per- to pervert the truth of the gospel to draw followers of Christ away into themselves. We must not be drawn away by the charismatic personality, the gifted speech, or the fancy packaging. Sometimes somebody just looks really good, and we think, boy, he just looks so good. It must be true. You know, Satan, Lucifer, was the most beautiful of all the angels. And he's not going to show up with a pitchfork and horns. He's going to appear as an angel of light. And most of the cults out there today have a thread of truth, enough that it it sucks people in and they fall for it. And so we must make sure that concerning those who try to deceive us, that we know the word of God, lest we fall into the same trap. Don't look at the outward packaging, because that's how they lay the trap. Again, in the gar- going all the way back to the garden sadly many within the church especially those who are not well grounded in truth the immature the baby christians are drawn away by such lies packaged as deeper truth and john's writing to just those people uh, you know what i can tell you even in the short history of our church We haven't had a lot of it, but we've had some who will come into the church, they'll look for the newer Christians or those who don't know the Bible very well, and before you know it, they're inviting them over to their house, and they're teaching them a deeper truth that is contrary to the Word of God. And it's amazing to me how often the false teachers and the cultists have to go to a church to get followers because they can never get any of their own. Instead, they will go in, and they're wolves in sheep's clothing, you know, that first guy last week, and again, not everybody from his denomination would agree with him or from his background, but when he says, when Larry King says, so you, you must be a Christian to go to heaven, you must believe in Jesus Christ, he said, oh, no, no, not at all. That man is a tool of the devil. Pastor Dave, that's kind of harsh. You know what's harsh? Is Jesus dying on the cross. And then someone looking at him and thumbing in their nose and saying, I can get there without you. That's harsh. That's brutal. Lord, help us. How should we deal with false teachers? Guys, we should respond to everyone in love. Pray for them. We want to see him saved, amen? But don't hang out with them. Amen? What did Joseph do with Potiphar's wife? Come and lie with me. She's seducing him with a lie. Come lie with me. It'll be fine. Come lie with me. What did he do? I'm out of here. Left his coat and ran away. Amen? You know what? We need not to be hanging out. And can I say this, especially if you're newer in your faith and, and a cultist knocks on your door, you know what? It's okay to send them down the road. Amen? Don't until you're prepared to deal with them, don't, don't let the enemy use that to confuse you. One attribute of these false teachers that John pointed to identify them again is that they deny jesus christ both then and today one of the keys to keep from being deceived by the false teachers is to abide in christ and in his word and to have and to know the anointing of the holy spirit look at verse 27 but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and and Just as it is is taught you, you will abide in him. So is this saying that we're wasting our time sitting here? You don't need a teacher, it says here in the text. What's the context? The context is this. The greatest Bible teacher there is dwells in you. The greatest Bible teacher there will ever be, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of all of us. The Gnostics were saying, you can't know the truth apart from us. you got to come to us. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? 2,000 years later, you have so many different people that say the same. You can't go to God to confess your sin. You must go through a man. You can't go to God to to pray. You must go through these saints or these whatever it might be. And they're putting layers between man and God. Do you understand that Jesus came to take all the layers away between man and God? They're all gone. But what he is saying clearly is you don't have to go to the Gnostics. You don't have to go to any prophet that comes and says he's got a deeper truth. Do you understand? You don't need anybody to teach you because you have the greatest teacher there is dwelling in you. At the first part of that verse, you're anointed. That means the Holy Spirit. Now let me say this too. Every Christian who's been born again is anointed. Do you understand that? That word gets thrown around and misused a lot. Oh, that guy's anointed. Well, if he's a Christian or she's a Christian, we all are. Amen? We've all been anointed with the Holy Spirit who has come to live inside of us. The Holy Spirit illuminates the truth. Have you ever noticed? Maybe you can think back before you were saved, if you got saved later in life, and you can remember a time when you read the Bible and it just didn't make a lick of sense. You're reading it and you're going, I don't know, what does that mean? Then you got saved, and you're reading the Bible, and you're like, wow. This is amazing. Amen? Why? Because the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth. He gives you understanding. He helps you to grasp it. He convicts us. He teaches us. And again, we have the completed revelation in our hand, and we don't need some self-appointed expert to come and lead us into deeper truth. We have the Holy Spirit. There's no better teacher than God. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is God, amen? So God lives in us and God is the one who teaches us. Now, one of the things you know about when the Holy Spirit is is teaching, he'll always do one thing. You look through Scripture, the Holy Spirit is always magnifying and lifting up Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? And Jesus is always lifting up, magnifying, and pointing people to the Father. So how do you know when the Holy Spirit is the one who is doing the teaching? Or he is the one who is speaking? Because Jesus Christ will be glorified. If Jesus Christ is not being glorified, the Holy Spirit is not speaking. Amen? Does that make sense? It's the Word of God. Now some people, you can take these at two extremes, we'll move on to the final point. One extreme is this, that You can read this and say, well, I can only be, you know, prior to reading this, I can only be taught by a special anointed man and I got to go find the special anointed person just for me. The only one that can really reveal truth to me, I got to go find that person. So I'm going to bounce around from church to church and place to place till I find the one that can communicate with me. Uh, Jesus is the one. Holy Spirit is the one, Amen? amen? You've already found him, he lives in you. But the other mistake we can make go to the opposite extreme, and they'll say this, no one can teach me anything. Bible says, I don't need a teacher. Well, let's read the rest of the Bible, shouldn't we? The Bible tells us, I read the New Living Translation of Ephesians 4, it says this, He is the one who gives these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, to build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Guys, the cults require that you learn from them. The cults require that they be the answer and that they be the place that we go. But here's the truth. God, when He speaks through a man, it's only True, when the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. Amen? Amen. And so, God has called every one of us. We're all in the body. Many of you have the gift of teaching in a different place. Maybe it's with the children's ministry, or in the women's ministry, or in the men's ministry, or wherever it might be. And every one of you that has the gift of teaching, it's only a gift of teaching as God has given it to you so that when you open your mouth, the Holy Spirit speaks. But we all experience that when we share our faith with someone who's lost. Amen? So, yes, it's true man can teach us nothing, but the Holy Spirit can teach us a great deal. And we're simply tools in the hands of our Master, and the Holy Spirit and the word of God tells us that he does have different gifts and that we're all called to minister one to another, but again, it's the Holy Spirit who speaks. Holy Spirit within us teaches us, he leads us in all truth, and again, He points people to Jesus Christ. So in the body of Christ, we have gifts meant to be used in ministering one to another, and we can be blessed by gifted teaching, Bible studies like this one we're having now, or listening to tapes or on the radio, or reading a book by somebody that God has used to write a book. All those things God can use to minister to us, but it's the Holy Spirit that should get the credit because He's the one that does it. Amen? Last point, and and we're almost done here. The blessings of abiding belief that that, uh, impacts our behavior, expectation of eternal life, the promise of heaven. Discernment against deception, world's best Bible teacher is dwelling in you. He'll make sure you understand, spend time in the word and you won't be deceived by the lie. And finally, confidence at his coming. How many of you know that Jesus Christ is coming back? Amen? And you know what? We say it, but do we really mean it? Don't raise your hand. Think about it. Would you really be stoked if you came this afternoon? I would be way stoked. Praise God. Amen? It would be so good. Heaven is going to be way better than we think. Amen? So much better. But until then, we need to be busy about His work. But notice what He says here in verse 28. And now, little children, abide. Notice that there's a theme to these verses here. And notice, abide, stay continually steadfast in him, continually remaining. Abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now notice he says, now little children. That means he's talking to Christians, right? And he says, to Christians, Abide in Him that you might be confident in His coming and not ashamed. That means if you read this verse, that there will be some Christians that when Jesus Christ comes back, they will be ashamed. Right? Why will we be ashamed? Because we're not living for Him. Because we're not abiding in Him. Because we're not walking with Him. Because we've allowed a petty fight to keep us from being used for the kingdom because we've divided from our Christian brothers and sisters because we've chosen sin over walking in the center of his will for whatever it may be and this is a word of exhortation it's an exhortation it's a warning hey guys abide so when he comes back you'll be like yeah as opposed to yeah but about five minutes from now can i clean a few things up first can I sweep a few things away? Can I get my stuff, my life, my, ah! Uh. Can I ditch the stolen car? Lord, let me just do something. You know, and sometimes, sadly, he's just saying, look, if we abide, if we walk with him, or if we're dwelling with him, or if we're remaining with him, if we're walking attached to him, we'll have great confidence at his return. We'll be excited, without reservation, amen? amen. Don't you, I mean, I, I just pray. Lord, come back when I'm doing something godly, Amen? Come back when I'm sharing my faith. Come back when I'm in your word. Come back when I'm seeking you in prayer. Abide in him. Continue. Remain. Endure. Stand. Tarry. John, burden for all believers, but especially those younger in the faith. Little children. Look, you are new in the faith. Abide in him, so when he comes back, you're not ashamed. Last verse. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous. You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Do you know he's righteous? Absolutely. We know he's righteous, so that means if we are to be like him, we need to walk in obedience to him. Amen. Pastor David, you're preaching works-based salvation? Absolutely not. What I'm saying, though, is as Christians, we have a choice every moment, every day to follow in obedience to Him or to just walk away and satisfy our flesh. Is that true or not? We battle with it every day, don't we? Here's the exhortation is false teachers are all around them, temptations all around them. Abide. He's coming back. You don't know when. You're not going to necessarily have another opportunity to get right with God, get right with Him and stay right with Him. Amen? Amen walk with him, stay in the center of his will. If we abide, we can be confident at his return. Notice that back in that previous verse, I love the fact that John says that we may be confident. Here's the apostle Paul. He knows he needs to abide too. Amen. You never arrive at the point where you don't need to abide anymore. I pray that we would live in such a way that we would not be ashamed at His coming, that we would not be saved but as by fire, as the Apostle Paul would say. How would you like to be, yeah, I just got in, whoo, right, whoo, right? And believe me, just got in is going to be way better than barely missed it, right? You can't barely miss it. There's no such thing, amen? And believe me, sometimes from an outward appearance, almost saved and barely saved look a lot alike, Amen? But I go to church every week, so what? But I was baptized in the church, doesn't mean anything. But, I, you know, but I, I'm a Christian because I live in a Christian nation. I had a, guy t- a co-worker say, well, I'm a Christian because I was born in America. <laughs> There's a Christian nation. I'm like, what nation are you looking at, bro? Cause I, I ain't seeing that. But here, guys, God has no grandchildren. You're not saved because of your parents. You're not saved because you come to the gym on Sunday. You're not saved because you've been going to church. You're not saved because you have 11 different translations of the Bible. You're not saved because you have a Christian fish on the back of your car. You cannot have confidence in the return of Christ because of your good works. It's because we are grafted in, abiding, remaining, tearing, hanging on with both hands to the Lord. Lord, bring us to that place where we remain desperate for you. And you know what? When you abide in Him again, I said it before, you start to look like Him. Have you ever noticed how kids look like their parents? Oh, I got mom's eyes, dad's nose, mom, you know, that kind of thing, right? Well, guess what? As we abide in Him, we start to look more and more like Him. And guess what? Since He's righteous, we begin to practice righteousness. Amen? Because He is holy, we start to walk in holiness. This is a reflection that someone is abiding in the Lord. You can't be abiding if there's no fruit of righteousness in your life. You're not abiding. You're not tearing. You're not hanging on to Him. You're not walking in the center of His will. You know what? We cannot perfect righteousness until we get to heaven, but we can practice it right now. Amen? And that's what that verse says. We practice it. The way we view sin totally changes, doesn't it? All these things are appropriate. We're about to go to the Lord's table here in a moment. guys, Can we move beyond being satisfied with with an arm's length, distant relationship with God and say, Lord, I don't want that arm's length relationship with you. I want to abide. Lord, I want to remain. I want to tarry. I want to be grafted into the vine. Lord, I want it to be where people look and they can't see where you end and I begin. Lord, I know I can't do that. It's impossible for me. But Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, Lord, less of me and more of you. Fill me afresh, Lord. May that be our prayer as we prepare to go to the table and we reflect back on the cross of Calvary and we, we examine our own hearts before the Lord. You know, we were talking about how do we bring revival to Santa Cruz at this pastor's meeting for two days? How do we bring revival? Here's the answer. We get revived as individuals. Amen? we get revived, we get on fire, we get filled up, and we can't help but be contagious. Amen? That's how this county is going to be reached. God used 12 men to turn the known world upside down. And we had a lot more people than that in this room, and God can use us to turn Santa Cruz, Holy Cross, right side up. Amen? So Lord, help us. So in closing, the blessings of abiding, belief that impacts behavior, the expectation of eternal life. Guys, let's live every day in light of heaven. Number two, discernment against deception. Remember that the world's best Bible teacher dwells inside of you. And then thirdly, you can have confidence at His coming as you are abiding in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for Your Word. And we thank You, Lord, for the privilege that we have this morning. Lord, of opening up the Word of God and Your Holy Spirit speaks to every heart that is here. Lord, I pray You would draw us unto Yourself. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that before they would come to your table to observe what is set apart only for those who are truly born again, that they would take a moment, confess their sin, ask you to be their Savior, invite you not to just be Savior but Lord of their lives. Father, for each of us this morning as we come to your table, I pray that each of us would take this time to just stop and set aside everything else, And look at our relationship with you. Lord, is there anything hindering our relationship with you? May we repent of it. Lord, are there relationships that are broken that we need to get right before you? Lord, may we make those things right. And Lord, I pray as we take it, we take it in anticipation that one day we're going to have this supper in heaven. And Lord, we can't wait. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you. May we not take the cross of Calvary for granted. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen.